Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root, and each week we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. Thank you so much for joining me. I have been looking forward to this conversation literally for years, literally for years. It was really funny when I was going through my email, like, who have I emailed that I haven't gotten back to, like, scroll further down. And I was like, oh, my God, I haven't gotten back to Natalie. I've got to do this. (laughs) And I loved it. I loved it when your message came through because I'm such a believer on when it's the right timing to have a conversation. So now, for whatever reason, here we are in 2024, and now it's like, right, now we need to have this conversation. (laughs) It is the right time. It is, very much. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to have this chat too. So for those of you listening, I actually first met Natalie about three years ago, and I have a follower of hers now ever since. You are amazing. You've helped me open myself up to the little intuitive hits that come in so much more. I was already open and then just listening to the stuff that you put out there and showing up to your occasional events that work for my schedule have just opened me up so much more. It's been amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Would you like to tell the audience a bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a psychic medium and intuitive. I guide people and teach people how to reconnect to their intuition. I'm a writer. I've written a book about how to connect to your intuition. I'm a podcaster. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yeah, I wrote my book in 2020, which was a process in itself, writing that during that year and putting it out. Yeah, it was a... It was a good time to like go into yourself (laughs) honestly it was you couldn't have made it up I started writing it November 2019 and I finished it June 2020 so it basically it was great because it was just me in my apartment and I didn't really have any distractions there was nothing it wasn't as if I could go outside and do loads of fun things that I would normally be doing so uh, yeah it was actually the perfect timing to write a book and it really supported me to write a book about intuition because I think during a challenging time when there's so much coming up when your faith and your trust gets questioned during those difficult challenging times and it really allowed me to dive deep into why do we need intuition now for the collective and why is it important more than ever that we need to listen to ourselves you know it was mirrored straight back in the collective as i was writing it so yeah it was really good yeah Yeah. and then i've just started a brand new podcast called things that die which is all about honoring the death and endings in our lives and talking not just about physical death and leaving this plane but the endings of relationships careers identities grief things like that yeah because we're all moving through so much currently so yeah I do lots of different things (laughs) but yeah intuition and energy forecasts so I give um energy forecasts as well of like coming up for the month for the collective for us individually and the collective because the micro and the macro energies of what's happening on the planet are so deeply connected so it's always fascinating Mm -hmm. to see what comes through monthly as well yeah a little bit about me (laughs) i love it okay so for those non-believers out there i'm going to give you all a little bit about why this isn't just hokum (laughs) (laughs) so we experience the world as though we're solid You know, I touch my face and I feel myself touching my face and I touch my computer and I feel myself touching my computer, right? I touch the wall and I feel myself touching the wall. So my experience of the world is as though the solidness of my reality is real. And that's true for every one of you. But here's the thing. If we zoom in 
really close, really tight, what we're going to find out is that we're all made up of atoms. We've heard this before, but we don't know really what it means. And let me give you an idea of what it really means. The nucleus of an atom, if you put it in the middle of the room that you're sitting in, it would be smaller than the tip of this pen, the nucleus of an atom. And I'm doing this on purpose, so stay with me. The nucleus of an atom, you put it in the middle of the room, it would be smaller than the tip of this pen, and the atom would take up the entire space of the room that you're in. Now let that settle into your mind in terms of how much space this thing that you experience as solid really is. You touch your face and you think you're solid, but you're actually just a massive amount of space. The atom likes its space. It really likes its space and it protects its space a lot with electrons. And electrons are simply energy. So when people talk about energy, they're talking about this thing, this atom that's protecting its space with electrons. And these electrons are very fluid. They love to pass information back and forth with other electrons that are nearby. So you're all this massive amount of space and you're made up entirely of these things, atoms, that love to have a huge amount of space and they protect their space with this thing that transmits energy, that transmits information, electrons. If you think that this thing that you experience is solid, but is actually just a huge amount of space with a whole bunch of things inside of it that love to transmit energy and information, if you think that you're not getting information outside of yourself from communication methods different from speech, think again. That's a great description. <laughs> That's a great way of combining the science and the intuition element of it to describe it. Because I think there is this need to try and prove intuition. And I really think over the next little while, there's going to be a lot of breakthrough around the connection between science and intuition. Oh, but it has been proved. We just don't yeah. like sharing no, that it's I, been proven. Yeah, and I think as humans, we just want more proof. Do you know what I mean? It needs to feel even more solid. I need to really be able to touch the walls. I really need to be able to know that this is. But yeah, I mean, we all get this, things. You probably know this one. Anybody who's watched the, the uh, Wickers movie yeah. has, has this little inkling of what's going on. But in World War II, there was one specific group of people that did not have to have the same hair regulations as the rest of the armed services. Only one group of people. For those of you who are listening, this is a very interesting one. It was American natives who were specifically recruited to join the troops because their intuition was better. And because their intuition was better, they knew when they were going to get ambushed. They knew when an enemy troop was sneaking up to do something. They just knew and we trusted it and it worked. This is actually documented, proven stuff. We just don't like the proof. No. And, you know, mystic, however you want to describe it, have been used for thousands of years. Kings, queens, wars, you know, governments still today work with psychics and intuitives you know people in big positions running big businesses still come and have readings and want to know yeah. well, like as much as we want to discredit it, it it's being you know people are regularly connecting one with other people who are psychic and intuitive but also with themselves where they're getting those incredible business ideas that suddenly came to them in a dream and they knew that they had to do it or they just in a science experiment where they're like oh no something still doesn't feel right but I'm getting this feeling that I should do this next bit in the experiment and then they do it and they have the massive breakthrough moment like intuition plays a huge role through every part of our society yeah that's cool i like it and i like the fact that it has become more accepted more maybe accepted isn't the right word but talked about talked <laughs> like, about we can talk about it yeah no one's gonna be you know i'm not suddenly gonna get whisked away and be put in a mental asylum or be burnt at the stake somewhere not for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> that, Lucas. <laughs> oh, classic. But yeah, it is really interesting to see, even from me starting my business eight years ago, the change in eight years is massive. Oh, yeah. um, 
and even yeah now it's just different I think I mean I've just moved back to the UK from living in Canada and I will honestly say North America is way more open to the spiritual and wellness space community than it is I would say in the UK the UK's opening up but it's been really fascinating to witness the openness of North America to this kind of work which I find fascinating I would not have guessed isn't it we <laughs> is That's really it cool yeah honestly <laughs> I think it's also because do you know how well being from the UK therapy and therapists seem as very North American like you see it in movies and in films or TV shows where it's like you go and see your shrink and you sit and lie on the sofa for me being from the UK that was always a very North American concept and having been living in Canada for nine years you realize the acceptance of therapy where people will openly go oh yeah I'm off to my weekly therapy session or oh yeah I'm off to my therapist I wouldn't say that in the UK people will look at you like you're what you're going to your therapy session like it's so interesting there is an, a level of openness within a community to talk about self-improvement looking after your mental health there's an openness to it so yeah, took me by surprise again here I am living in it so yeah <laughs> that's surprising and I'm glad to hear it yeah you don't realize so you're not in it in something you don't realize the power of a community until you're not in it sometimes so you step mm -hmm. away from the container that's around you that you expect that's normal or you expect that it'll always be there and then when you're not there and it's not there you're like oh wow this is different but it's also you see what's accepted in a community or what's accepted or what's understood or what the unwritten rules are if that makes sense or the unwritten things that are said about it being in a community yeah when you see it from the outside it's like wow yeah yeah i don't know why this is coming up in my mind right now but i guess we'll find out i've been puzzling as to how to tell the difference between a community and a cult it's an interesting question and i have some theories think the leader of it whoever heads up has a level of collaboration and it has a level of reciprocity and connection and an openness and an understanding. The cult-like energy, when I tune in, there's a level of distorted power mm. or distorted fire within the community of people either not knowing where they belong in the community or where the hierarchy of things can feel either really be obvious or have that polarity. But I think it's when also the mission of the community there can be an obsession over it too, where it becomes that there's too much of a fixation on that thing being the best thing or the only way forward or, yeah, where there's a fixation of what the community is versus it being kind of in yeah, a lightness to it or there's a flexibility to it versus when it becomes really rigid. Yeah, that's my start of a 10 on the difference. Fun, I like it. I think the flexibility matters, but that's a really hard thing to define. Here's one. So for people who aren't necessarily intuitive and haven't experienced real community, and then they step into a cult where you get welcomed in, it's going to feel amazing. Yeah. I think the way that you can tell the difference between a community and a cult is a community encourages you to look outside. A cult you can't leave. <laughs> Yeah, because in a community, we recognize that if you look outside, the, the best scenario is that you're going to look outside, find things that are amazing out there and bring them in. Yeah, more like an energy container with that's like a sieve where you, the energy can come and go versus it being made of concrete, which is, yeah. again, that highly protective. Or I've also found straight up from clients who have joined spiritual wellness groups that have then turned and had an edge to them which have turned a bit cultish 
that there's then this fear of sharing what's happening within the community. Oh, well, you can't share, that's a secret. Or, oh, you can't share that practice because that's only for people that are part of this community. So it's, yeah, again, there's that, and it, those, there's those energetics with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't know why that came up. Probably we'll figure it out. Yeah. So No, it's interesting because I think it's also you're bringing up because for someone that is there can be a stigma to being an intuitive but there's also a stigma i think to some of the spiritual communities that are out there because oh, you can see yeah. how there can suddenly be that obsessiveness there can be that straight up like some of these communities picking on people who are have been through lots of trauma or who are really influenceable or who can be molded and adapted there is a lot of that happens so i'm definitely not running a cult yeah well but you do run an online community you have for years yeah it's been interesting it's funny i i sent an email out to my substack today reflecting on creating a community for the last eight years and what my learning has been about it. It's fascinating that we're having this conversation today because I was talking about how I've learned the most about my intuition by doing it in community, by being in circle with each other. Yes, you can sit and be on your own and meditate and call in your spirit team, call in your spirit guides and be like, what do I need to know today and see what comes up? But actually, being in a group that feels safe, that you feel like you can share, that you can't make a mistake, actually being in a psychic circle and an intuitive circle where you're receiving messages as a group and you get to receive messages from others and then you get to potentially share other messages to other people. You learn way more okay, about pause, your pause, own Real gift. quick, let's talk about antennas. Most people have forgotten antennas because we carry around this thing that gets perfect access to all information that has ever existed. And we're in this, again, very weird world where we've done an amazing job at creating external antennas that project so powerfully that this little tiny thing still picks up the signal. But let's sort of rewind our minds a little bit and go a little bit further back. now. We do actually have a receiving, a, a piece of hardware that's built into this that's a receiver. Now go back a little bit further. You remember your earlier phones that actually had an antenna sticking out of them. Yeah. <laughs> go back even further still, and you're going to remember that you had TVs that connected to a wire that you would thread all the way through up to the top of your house, and there was a, a piece of metal sitting on top of your house to be able to receive information. The reason that I'm talking about that is the evolution hasn't been that we've gotten better technology at receiving information. That's not what happened. We're reducing our receiving hardware by getting better at transmitting information. And I say that so that you all can understand that we've always needed hardware to receive information. Now, I am, we said this already, I personally am, as a body, I am hardware to receive information. That's what I am. I am an enormous <laughs> antenna. Now, if you remember those weird metal things that stick up off the top of houses, the more metal that you put up there, the better it receives. So if I am hardware to receive information, then it stands to reason that two humans standing together holding hands are gonna receive information better. And six humans standing together holding hands are gonna be even better still. We're gonna start to look like the human version of that thing up on top of the house where there was you know, one central wire and a whole bunch of spokes off it to receive information. And you know what's even more potent about that is that you can be sat in a group of however many people and you all might be, you know, having your own personal experience where you're meditating on your own. But when you feedback from the rest of the group, I would say nine times out of ten in every single group, there are multiple people having the same imagery or the same colors or the same themes come up, especially with people who sit opposite each other of the circle. When mm. everyone goes around the circle and shares what their experience were, 
and they're like oh yeah I saw that mountain oh yeah I saw that bird oh yeah I saw that tree I saw that person and you realize then as a you know talking about that receiving energy you then realize that actually we're also receiving the information as a collective not just as individuals yep now one final piece somebody might hear that and say isn't that just confirmation bias and let me tell you no it is not Here's how confirmation bias works. <laughs> when you're thinking about a white car and you go out into the world, you will now notice all the white cars. But the white cars have to be there to begin with. Exactly. It yeah. was already there. A hundred percent. And I must say, I said mountain because obviously you've got mountains behind you. And so what's also really important is that when you're doing that, you do it in a space where there are no any artwork or there isn't any of that interference where because there happens to be that thing on the wall that everyone's walked into the room seen it and then it appears in the meditation is also really important but yeah it's mind-blowing it's absolutely incredible because it blows people's minds because it then makes them realize that that they're part of a community but an energetic community of something that they that isn't tangible necessarily, that can't be touched. It kind of makes it feel the scope and the magnitude of this kind of universal community that we're all part of. You get a real sense of what that is and what that looks like. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I've been to a few of your uh, monthly energy readings. I don't go to them all, but I've, I've been to a few and, um, and, and you're, you're absolutely extraordinary. Um, Thank you. <laughs> like all the whole month, I'm like, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I it blows my honestly, it blows my mind too, and I think that's why I still love to do what I do because I still get that wow factor every month that I've channeled it through before the month has started, and then all the themes and all the little points start dropping in and it's humbling. I find it humbling to be a human and have this experience of why we're here and experience it. And sometimes you start the month and I've channeled through something. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how that's going to show up for me this month. And then by the middle of the month, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's important because I think there's also this energy of for some people because they see themselves as spiritual or they're doing the work that means that they're exempt from stuff. And I think that's just not the case. It's not the way it works out. <laughs> it's just not the way it works out. In the end, I see it as the en energy forecast and me being able to channel it through means that I'm just getting ahead a little bit. I'm getting a bit of a shining. I'm getting a bit of a light on the situation and to be prepared for what's coming through. It doesn't mean I can't, I'm going to be able to stop it or change it. It just means that I'm getting prepped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very extreme example. If you get slapped in the face and you weren't ready for it, it hits a whole lot harder than if you were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Versus someone that's Either like, way you got slapped by in the, the way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to slap you in the face right now in three, yep. in two, in one. <laughs> yep. That's the extreme example. The other side of it, like, you know, if you're about to get a hug and you're aware of it, you can like you can open yourself up to the energy and you can prepare yourself to like give and receive wholesomely and wholly if you're aware of it and if you're not aware of it maybe it's the best thing that has ever happened but also i've had better hugs <laughs> like that's what i needed in that moment but also i've had better hugs it's a great analogy because it does open you up in ways I also think it opens you up, as you say, to the drama, to the shit that's coming down the pipeline. It just, it makes you see it differently and respond differently and know that it's temporary as well. I think with the forecast, it makes you realize that it's not going to last forever because it's going to shift. Yeah, it's always fascinating. And this year is such a big year. 2024 is the energy theme for this year is fired up. And it's a real year of following your dreams and your passions and really going for what lights you up. And everyone's feeling it. Like there's this momentum already. 
Yeah, and people on the flip side then having to look at burnout and not getting too fired up, burning yourself out to, you know, don't let the fire burn too much. So it's a real finding that balance. Like I'm, I'm super excited for 2024. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of power dynamics play out in politics and in communities across the world this year. There is some of that going on, isn't there? Oh, yeah, <laughs> very much. Yeah, because it's, again, it's that, you know, as we as individuals step into our own fire and our own power around what lights us up as a larger collective, you're also going to see, you know, big breakthroughs in community, big technology breakthroughs of things that are going to be really potent to support community that's going to fire up community in ways that's needed to support us but on the flip side you're also going to have the things that you know talking about cults talking about the abuse of power talking about how power gets used against community to create fear etc etc that's the shadow side of it and you're going to get that too yeah um, now you, you, we, we mentioned this, you run a community, you have amazing energy circles. How do you encourage people to stay open and light and to look outside so that they don't, you know, become cultists? <laughs> Question yeah. everything. And I always say before we start, take what you need and leave the rest behind. Take what resonates. Yes, you do. Leave the rest behind. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong in your life. I'm not here to tell you which, you know you might listen to something I say and like oh well that doesn't mean that doesn't make any sense to me or but actually I, that makes no sense to me but actually I like that bit that I can take that I can understand that awesome like job done because in the end this is about practicing discernment and intuition is about listening to your inner voice trusting yourself mm -hmm. practicing discernment and it's not about listening to some psychic medium and just because she said that means it's the truth because then you're not listening to your own intuition. Well, and do you really know what she said? Like, yeah. We are not gods. So no. you can't communicate perfectly and I can't receive perfectly. No, there's going to be interference. That's just yeah. the way it is. And that is why listening to your own intuition and using that as a tool and a skill and a gift where you can trust the decisions that you're making be open to receive the intuitive hits that you're receiving you know maybe you're someone that receives them when you're exercising when you're walking in nature when you're reading a book or when you're being silent or driving a car like sometimes I get the best downloads when I'm driving but being open to that just yeah, is you know why danger. why I actually know why oh go on tell me I, I had a feeling you would know the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no this I like this one too so driving taking a shower washing the dishes yeah it's true that they're repetitive tasks but we the way that we do skills as an animal is that we get to the point where continuing to execute a skill requires us to stop being mentally focused on that skill so it actually creates inside our head it creates an echo chamber kind of like meditation running is the same thing so we're doing a thing and we cannot be focused on another thing so we create this mental echo chamber driving I have a friend that calls it zoned out, yeah. right? But it's not zoned out like uh, I'm not paying attention. It's like <laughs> I, I'm really focused on a thing, and but my, my mind doesn't want to be in the details of that execution because I'm already good at it. I pick up a plate, I scrub it, I rinse it, I put it down over here, I pick up the next plate, I scrub it, I rinse it, I put it down over here. The same thing with driving. You know, I'm responding to a very specific set of it, stimulus and it's always the same. Now, there are a thousand different variations of that stimulus, but we're amazing at it. Yeah. And so I zone out from that so that my execution is 100% focused. And when my execution is out of my head and in the task, now I have this space. echo chamber. Yeah, space. it's back into that space around. There's a space that then allows you to... Yeah. Intuition is, I mean, daydreaming is part of that. And I think as kids, I mean, children are deeply intuitive. They let their mind 
wander and go to all the places and they tap into their imagination. Intuition is connected to imagination and also giving yourself that permission to daydream. So when you're in those repetitive tasks, there is that sense of noticing the daydream or noticing mm. where you're going because part of intuition is noticing so ironically as you say it's like having that hyper focus on a task that then creates the space that then allows you to go off and daydream but then allows you to notice what's happening within it as you say it's like multi-layered it's multi-dimensional on so many layers of the the physical science in our bodies and our brains and you know our makeup to the connection to everything else around us. Yeah, it's amazing. It um, <laughs> the 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 best focus of that movie way back in the '90s. It has Shannon Elizabeth in it. it. Like it's about washing dishes, creating a meditative space for you to be leveling yourself up. No way! Oh, I've not seen it. I'm gonna go and Google that. You might have to like. You know, go to the market somewhere and find it on DVD. There'll be some <laughs> odd person that has created a version of it on YouTube or something. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for that. <laughs> I'm going to start sending it to, to all my people. Like, hey, here's the movie. You got to go watch it. <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> Trust me, it's better than you think. <laughs> Can't be an obscure movie of random things. That imagination and the things that you find creatively exciting that lights you up is also really important because when mm. you watch or you experience the music the films the movies the tv shows that you love for me i also get amazing downloads and insights when i'm experiencing creativity that lights me up it lights up my cells in a way that then you know again transmits out and, out and then I receive things in yeah that's amazing so <laughs> in olden days back when we had radio there used to be this thing and I, it's funny we have to like talk about old technology this way yeah. there used to be this thing called a tuner on the radio Mm-hmm. so you'd have this little dial and you'd have to tune the radio to hit a specific frequency so that you could receive the message inside that specific frequency hold on it sounds kind of like some other way that people talk if you change the way that you're feeling inside your body, it's tuning your frequency. And these atoms that have these, you know, amazing information sharing and receiving tools around them, the electrons, when you tune the frequency of your body, of your life, the atoms are gonna start listening to a different frequency in the air around you, in the universe. And just like those radios, when you turn the dial, well, sometimes I want to be tuned into the frequency of happiness. And now we're going to start getting the creativity that's available in the universe from the frequency of happiness. That's not necessarily the only place we want to be. Like, my guess is that Stephen King was fantastically good at tuning to the frequency of terror. <laughs> and it made him very wealthy. I doubt that he lived in that space. Like, he probably went back to happiness when he was done, like, downloading the idea and then started writing about it. Like, he lived in his happiness or in his joy or contentment, right? But he was really good at tuning to that frequency, and it made him very wealthy. <laughs> I want to not go there, but we need to have control over that dial, and we need to be good at turning it. 100%. I mean, I use that analogy of the t tuning of the frequency to connecting to the other side. So for me, mm -hmm. it's like when I'm opening up to channel for a one-on-one -on -one client, it's me tuning into the frequency of their energy body, but also to their loved ones who have passed over or their ancestors. And I'm basically just a radio freak. I can, I'm basically a radio tuner myself. Like I basically <laughs> tune the frequency to that person and to the people associated with them on the other side. And then I basically receive and transmit the information from that's coming through. Yeah, it's wild. That's exactly the analogy that I use with connecting to the other side to share messages with others. Yeah. But, I mean, the same works when you're in your creative energy. Now you're open to the creative frequency and you're listening to the creative messages. And... You know, when you're out running and, you know, maybe you hit your runner's high and now you're like, you're feeling elated. Now you're tuned into the elation energy and you're listening to the elation frequencies that are coming in and you're downloading the elation messages that have been sitting there waiting for you to tune in. And there they are. 
Yeah, completely. And I think for most people, it is on those elation frequencies that they're getting those hits and downloads. And then, but I also know for some artists, it's when they're actually at their rock bottoms, when they're feeling really low. That's when the musical rift wants to come through in this powerful song. And so there is that cusp, there's that edge of being in the joy and being in the heaviness or the depression energy. And again, it's that riding that really fine line of the creative download. Again, yeah, that comes through the emotions that we're experiencing. Mm. It's potent. Amazing. Yeah. The power of the body. In the end, it's like we forget we have the power of the energetic intuitive body is amazing and our bodies are incredible and they're amazing on their own but when they're in community watch out world because real shit goes down when people come together (laughs) as community that's the quote right there when we're in community watch out the real shit goes down (laughs) it does and i think that's really you know we're really going to be experiencing that over the next five years but really again seeing that in this year we're really going to be seeing the power of the community and the need of community and that we can't live in silos anymore and that the needs for real change and for the advancements that need to happen on the planet it has to be done in community and people are really going to be discovering what community means for them which is why you know, you having these conversations is really important because if people don't know what community means, then how on earth are we going to make the changes and how on earth are people going to use their voices and stand up for what they believe in or what's right or wrong for them? What does that even mean? Yeah. Woof. No small things. No small things. That's right. Or feel supported while they're doing it. Yeah, completely. Feeling supported is... It's a game changer. I mean, even for myself, like community this year, for me personally, it's massive. Finding, you know, community that's local, that's around, that isn't on an online sphere, that, you know, is it's important to feel held and supported. And I think for many of us, we go through life just being like, oh, well, I'll just do it on my own. And we forget what it feels like to be vulnerable enough to be like, I need to be in community, I need support and I need to share what's not working for me and what's missing versus being like, yeah, yeah, I got this. (laughs) Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I just think there's a a facade where sometimes there can be seen as a weakness to ask for help or support or to use the echo chamber or to use the hive mind or ideas because then it's seen as I know I just feel like times these days is very much better if you're doing it on your own it look do you know what I mean there's a sense of this belongs to me versus this belongs to us or the collaborative nature of that and I think that's also what's part of this collective crumbling that's happening where it used to be very community collective focused where it was everything done together and then it's become unraveled where it's become so solo and now we're beginning to realize (laughs) that as we all go through massive ego deaths that we realize let's stop being precious about our own egos and let's Mm. do this together because in the end isn't the goal and the future desire and the future outcome more important than their own our own fragile human ego on how we get there so yeah that's my take on that right now how would somebody who's navigating that how would they notice that's what they're navigating but Like, oh, I'm actually going into ego death and maybe not ego death, right? But something like it. I'm Um, I'm going into this point in my life where I'm not so focused on things being mine. Yeah. Loss of identity, not having the clarity that you used to have, feeling like nothing fit, realizing that you don't have all the answers and that you need to 
ironically, going on intuition, look outside of yourself for support so that it can bring you back to your own inner intuition and knowing. Again, it's that collective community that gives you that energetic support and springboard so that you can then return to what you know to be true about yourself. And some There's so much pressure in the spiritual community of like, the inner work doing it on your own when actually sometimes the healing needs to be done in community so that it oh, can it's be, so much more powerful yeah, together for it to be mirrored back to you of the changes that you're actually experiencing we have this romanticization of like of the actual monk guru model where we think that the path to spiritual awakening is to go off on a mountain somewhere and trust me when I say this, like, I do go off on a mountain somewhere, that's a thing. But this romanticization of going off on a mountain somewhere and, and spending 20 years surrounded by, you know, trees and butterflies and magic and the angelic host singing on you, and then you will be spiritually awakened. And perhaps that actually happens. But also, I want things to happen in my life faster than needing to sit on a mountain for 20 years. And we are amazing together. Like... So in Buddhism, they have this concept of a Buddha and a separately a Bodhisattva. Now, I'm sharing this specifically for this reason. In the world cultural approach to those two things separately, the Bodhisattva is, is kind of looked down on. And I'm going to tell you all what that means and why people are looking down on it and why they're fucking idiots about it. So this Bodhisattva separate from a Buddha is kind of looked down on. like. You're not a Buddha, you're a Bodhisattva. And here's why. A Buddha, theoretically, attained enlightenment and got to the point in their life where they have made it to nirvana. And, you know, when this life ends, they'll be there all by themselves. A Bodhisattva had help. Well, like I said, I don't want to sit and wait for 20 years for my enlightenment to come. Like I said, I'm going to tell you why the, the people who look down on the Bodhisattva are fucking idiots, because the Bodhisattva got there faster. Here's what that means to you and to me. Not only did the Bodhisattva get there faster, but that means that they can stop being on the mountain and come back into civilization sooner. And they can start making positive changes for other people faster. Their impact will be felt wider, more quickly, because of the fact that they wasted less of their life trying to get there. Now, I accept that some people just don't have access to a community that can bring them there. And so they have to go the mountain route. They have to go the guru route. They have to figure it out on their own. And to those people, my heart goes out to you. Everyone else, find your community. Let somebody else bring you into nirvana. You don't need to wait. <laughs> yeah, that's super potent. As you say, some people are going to want to take that solo route, whatever they've signed up to this lifetime if that's where it's at then that's what you have to trust i was speaking to someone the other day and they were like again on that community level especially for someone growing a business or an entrepreneur use your community they're the ones that will tell you what they need or what they desire from you or what the community needs don't feel like you have to create on your own all the time put it out there ask them like i want to write a book what do you want what would you like me to write a book on like you know i want to offer this what actually do you really want from this like and i found again it's that reminder i think there's that sometimes that pressure to create you know yeah in this silo instead of really connecting to the community and asking what do you need and it's potent yeah I love it. You ask such good questions. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just having fun here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. I'm loving the different vibe that you're bringing and the que like questions I've never been asked. So it's really refreshing. Thank you. I, I have this thing where, you know, I'm, I build up knowledge. And, and it just sits there. And the only way to touch it is for somebody to ask me a question or I could theoretically ask it myself, but but that's not the way life works for me. Yeah. So, so I go looking for interactions like the one that we're having right now, because I need people to ask me questions for me to be like, oh, that's the answer that I already knew, but it's been sitting there waiting for somebody to ask. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, it's like listening to you talk about what I do from your lens and your perspective of your background is really refreshing 
because it makes me see it in a different way and go oh yeah i like that that's really cool <laughs> and again that's the power of collaborative community and you know it gives both sides of the coin on one part of the multifaceted diamond of the conversation but it opens it up to be like that versus this is the way yeah um i want to cycle back to one other thing that you said because this might be the kernel for our next conversation maybe <laughs> So you talked about while people are going through this process of something akin to ego death, one of the things that they'll start to feel is a loss of self-identity. Yeah. So here's what's really actually very cool about the world. <laughs> it's actually amazing. So we have these things called mirror neurons and they have a very specific purpose. And go look them up on Google. They have this really specific purpose, mirror neurons. And the purpose of mirror neurons is to make us more empath. So it's to make me better at listening to you, better at responding to the cues that you're putting out, better at hearing and receiving the energy that you have within you. Like we're actually specifically built to be good at that. It's really quite cool. That's really cool. Here's what that means. We co-create our reality. So I am not the sole architect of my reality. In this moment right now, I share the architecture of my reality with you, Natalie. Now, people who have lost their identity, I'm playing with this, it's an idea. I've actually worked on this with a couple of my clients. People who have lost their identity are doing one of two things. Either they're so disconnected from the people around them that they've lost their capacity to co-create. Now, pausing for a second before I get to the other piece. If Excommunication is the worst thing that we can do in Christianity. Why is that so bad? It's because it disconnects you from your community. Like it is horridly bad and we've known it for a long time. What's the worst punishment that we can do inside our jails? Solitary confinement because it cuts you off from community. If you can't co-create your community, what's going to happen? Well, it takes the average inmate something like eight months, not very long before they start going literally clinically insane from solitary confinement because they're not capable of co-creating their realities. Excommunication and solitary confinement are equivalently killing your capacity to be truly human. Yeah, and be in community with each other. And then the idea of them being you know, discommunicated from your God or from what your religion and what you believe in on having that existential crisis of mm -hmm. what that means, you throw that into, that's definitely going to bring up a lot. <laughs> so, so these people that have this loss of identity, part of it is that they don't have people that they trust in their lives to co-create their reality with. Part of it. Yeah. The other part of it could be, and I hear this a lot, how many times have you said in your own life or you the audience when you're listening how many times have you said in your own life well they just don't know me now how many times have you said that about your parents yeah. or your sister or your brother or your close cousin your close friend cousin who knew you really well when you were 15 and their version of you is still the you that you were when you were 15 and you have changed like i've changed i'm not that person anymore the challenge there the tension there is that in co-creating your reality, they're creating a version of you that is different from the version of you that you want. And that's the tension. Yeah. Now, if you're aware of that, you can just sit down and have a conversation. Hey, Natalie, listen, you knew me when I was 15. I'm not that person anymore. I want you to know the person that I am now. I want you to live with me in my reality today. I want you to be a co-architect of the reality that I live in now. Some people would be like, you're crazy. I don't want to have that conversation. Whatever you're saying right now, cut me off. And that's cool, because now you know. Because sometimes it's good to have those severing moments. Sometimes it's good to be like, do you know what? And I think that's why for many of us, sometimes a community fits and then sometimes it doesn't. And then you have to go and find what the, commun the new community that does. But then you also have yeah. to be aware, are you someone that's a community butterfly that just keeps flitting around because <laughs> you're always looking for the next person? Instead of community looking. butterfly. <laughs> oh, man. 
Now I need to put together a meme for that. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, so I think we could have a whole conversation just around like I really do the the loss of identity. The loss of identity, the death of identity, and the endings that we're currently facing are just huge. And I think it's a massive conversation in itself because again it's why we're being drawn to community too. So yeah, time to (laughs) looking forward to part two. (laughs) Me too. Yes. I like to wrap up my interviews with three questions. Go for it. Awesome. <laughs> the first one <laughs> <I'm> is... <laughs> Thank you. What is the one best way that people who've been really inspired by this conversation can reach out to you? Oh, great question. I would say the best way is to go to my Substack, actually, because I seem to be sharing more personal stuff, more stories, my energy forecast, things I'm up to on my Substack. So, yeah, mm. I have a Substack called Energy and Endings, and it's I've really shifted onto there as a community platform recently. Yeah, Substack, actually. That question took me by surprise. I was like, is it Instagram? Is it my website? And it's actually my Substack currently. Yeah. Cool. You know, a lot of people have been talking about how powerful Substack is. I don't have one, but maybe it's time. Do it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's like old blogging. Again, it's like old technology come back around. Hmm. You know what? Uh, yeah. Old, old technology. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about old oh. technology, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Second question. This is the big curveball. Is there any question that you wish I had asked you, but I have not? Oh, wow. No. You've gone into places with these questions that I haven't been asked before on a podcast. No, not at all. Like, for me, I've really enjoyed all of your questions. Like, they've really taken me, you've made me question and think about my own role and my own career. So, thank you. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Nice to see it from oh, a different lovely. perspective. I love it. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and then finally, do you have any parting thoughts? Yeah, everyone just keep trusting your intuition. Keep trusting mm-hmm. where you're drawn to and who you intuitively feel called to spend your time with and be in community with. That's massive. Don't be around people that energy drain you or make you feel like shit. It's life short. Don't waste your time on it. Go and find the communities and the people and be around those people that light you up and make you feel inspirational and give you those intuitive aha moments and make you into an amazing trans transmitter responder (laughs) yeah yes i love that thank you so much natalie thank you thanks for joining us this week on elements of community Make sure to visit our website, elementsofcommunity.us, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.